starts happy hour. This is Larry. I'm Becky. How are you, Becky? I'm good. What was that? That was that was our music. Oh, that was our music. Yeah, I was just, I was just trying to get it right on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to hearing it in time and a half. So. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so today is the Friday before th- uh, Christmas. Yep. I, I mean, it, it Christmas came up way too quickly this year. It always does, but it feels like it's faster than ever. Yeah, so do you, have you ever heard my theory of why I think life gets faster as you get older? I have, but I don't think our listeners have, so I will listen to it again. Oh, you're supposed to say no. <laughs> you're right, privy, so you know the you know the punchline at the end. But in the end, uh, you know, whenever you're a year old, every day is one thirty three hundred sixty fifth of your life, and then as you get older and older and older, that percentage gets slow, smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, whenever you're looking at it, each day as a percentage of your life is shorter and shorter and shorter. So you go through it a whole bunch faster, and so. Whenever you're, you know, you're looking at your life when you're like a 10 years old, I mean, one year in your life when you're 10 is one-tenth of your age. But every year thereafter when you're 40, it's one-fortieth of your age. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so whenever you're looking at that years in the span of the entire life of yourself, then all of a sudden you're going, wow, that year went pretty quickly. Yeah. But that's uh, – I, I think that that's the best explanation. You know, I have all these like explanations of why life goes this way and so. Well, I, I see your point on that and, you know, to an extent I agree. But I think there's something more to it. And that is? That when you're a kid, your responsibilities are very, very small, right? And as you grow up and become an adult and you add things like buying a house, getting married, kids – uh, your responsibilities increase greatly. And so as it, when you're a kid and you have fewer responsibilities, you have more capacity mentally to think about and anticipate something like Christmas. So it seems like it takes so much longer. Whereas for those of us who are in our late 30s, early 40s, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we have way more responsibilities on our plate than we did when we were kids. And so we are constantly thinking about all of those responsibilities and the things that we have to do to meet those responsibilities that there is not as much brain capacity for us to think about something like Christmas so that all of a sudden it sneaks up on us because we're too busy worrying about paying our mortgage or, you know, our deadlines on the projects that we have or whatever that that's my theory. I, I, I could see that, but also I'm, I'm such a child at heart that I should automatically <laughs> – it shouldn't bug me. But I, it's, you know what? I, I really think it was that this year with the Thanksgiving being so early yeah. and then it's just like boom, 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 and then all of a sudden it's here. And it, it's just – I think it's on top of everything else, it's a weird year. Uh, and really, it's been a really busy year. It has been very busy. But uh, – so do you have all your Christmas shopping done? Um, yeah. I think I finished the last ones this week. Wow. Must be must be nice. You're not done? No. No, and and, and the thing is is that you have uh, you know, whenever you like put a, a an ensemble gift together and um put the where where multiple pieces of the gift come together mm. and you're like, Well, I'm twenty percent 
done with this gift <laughs> or I'm missing 20% of this gift. And you're like searching high and low for the other, other piece of that gift to, to give it. And then it's like, well, it doesn't look like this is going to come together. I wanted it to. So we'll have to figure it out in, in another way. But uh, it's, it's been crazy um, just looking at how people have changed their ways of actually buying these days. Right. And, you know, over the past few weeks here at the office, especially this week, um, Amazon has has built a fort of boxes <laughs> in the hallway <laughs> where they drop off all the things. It's just it's a constant pile of you know you know Amazon comes. There's a, a, a box fort, and then you know emails go out, and everybody comes picks up their stuff. And there's a couple couple remaining, and then the process repeats itself on the morning and at night. Yeah, you know with the two delivery schedules. Well, and, and then you also have the third party. Package deliverers that work at this time of year for Amazon, right? Correct. So, so they're on the, a completely different schedule than FedEx and UPS. <laughs> hey, dude, why are you walking into my building like a uh, like a bum? You got shorts and a t-shirt. It's forty degrees outside, and you turn around, and then they're like, "Well, I'm delivering this package." Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, normally like thirty years ago, it'd be like. It's a bomb. <laughs> Some random dude walking in your office dropping something off. But, uh, you know, just continues to go down that that shopping online is is, is transformed how in uh, how how Christmas and how gift giving is done these days. Yeah, well, the, there have been a couple of things for me that have I've done a lot more online shopping than I have in the past. Um, one, I just don't have much time. I, I literally this week and last week put on my calendar Christmas shopping. So I would leave the office at lunchtime and go do some Christmas shopping because if I didn't, it wasn't going to happen. My kids are going to be very upset. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just not having much time is one. But also, you know, the closure of Toys R Us has has been made shopping for my kids and my nieces and nephews way more difficult because, well – just the nostalgia aside, I am a Toys R Us kid. Um, no longer. <laughs> no, no, no longer. But, um, you know, whenever we got to the holidays, I would make almost weekly trips to Toys R Us where I would, I would pick, you know, two or three of my nephews and, and look for something for them. And I wouldn't always have an idea, but I would roam the store and look for something that I would be able to gift them. Mm-hmm. And now I, that store's not there anymore. And, well, yes, Walmart and Target have toy departments, but they were, they're just not, the selection is very limited compared to what you would have been able to find at Toys R Us. So now it's like I have to either know exactly what it is I'm getting to be able to order it off Amazon, or I'm looking at a far more limited selection at Target or Walmart. Yeah, and you know, did you see Amazon put out? My, mine. I'm older, so even <laughs> even farther back is the old catalogs. Oh yeah, you just sit around and, and look at the catalogs, and Amazon put out a toy catalog um, to kind of like rekindle that, right? And you know, the, but but to your point about Toys R Us is that if you remember the original Toys R Us stores, they were just Toys R Us. It was a Full store of toys. Right. Well, those same locations then got cut in half because they added in a Babies R Us. Mm-hmm. So toys were starting to dwindle then. And even then, um, you know, the, the selection really, you know, one quarter of the store was actually video games. 
And then, you know, I I think that technology has also changed that is that kids just don't want to play with like core toys anymore. Well, I I think there's a lot of, and we could go deeper into this topic if we wanted to, but I think there's, it is a podcast. (laughs) True. Um, But, but, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of reasons why Toys R Us went bankrupt. Um, And I was actually reading an article about this. A week or two ago, uh, did you see that they were Toys R Us was kind of coming back and doing these pop ups in Kroger's? No. Yeah. So there was apparently I, I forget how many, but they were they were going around um, and had put these little pop up stores in Kroger where it was Toys R Us toys that you could buy while you were grocery shopping um, as a way to kind of come back. It's not really a comeback, mm-hmm. but they were trying. Um, Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> but, uh, what what this article was saying is like that. That's an interesting idea, but that's not what went wrong with Toys R Us. Toys R Us focused too much on the discount and not taking what they have over Amazon and really leaning into that, which is they have an opportunity to provide an experience and not just a place to buy a cheap toy, but an experience that the a parent and a child could go into the store and really play with those toys. Like, you know, we've all seen the movie big, um, you know, Tom Hanks and, and the piano and FAO Schwartz, like having something like that, where you're providing an experience to parents and kids, Amazon can't do that. No. And yeah, but, but you're right. And really the, the big thing was, and you said it was, they always were the, the price. They, it was always driven off a of price that price, 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 discounts, specials, doorbusters, all of that type of stuff. And, you know, that was playing the wrong game against the giants like Walmart and Amazon right. that have so much, they, they're buying all year round around the clock, everything. Mm-hmm. And now they can focus on those price items. But, I really, you know, I, I can't fault um, Toys R Us. Really can't fault uh, Sears um, or uh, even like Kmart because, frankly, consumers changed. Right. Now, they all made their missteps is that they were focusing too much on profit, long-term gains. And I think that Walmart, this is one of my <clears throat> things I talked about quite a bit. Uh, late last week, I was in uh, Seattle and uh, I've, with Amazon being based there, I, I had long conversations with people about, you know, my thoughts of how Walmart is, you know, they kind of missed the initial Amazon boat, you know, the, the online retailing boat. And they focused too much on their, their brick and mortars. They focused on those types of things. They were price focused as well. And they, I, I think Amazon caught them by surprise. Yeah. That even their core buyers caught them by surprise. And now they're going after it going, listen, we have the same distribution as Amazon, probably bigger um, in, the, in the sense that they have, you know, they have these little warehouses and little towns everywhere, otherwise known as brick and mortar stores. Mm -hmm. And they have shipping departments and they have pickup departments all there. So you can pick up stuff right away. And they also are now offering two day shipping free. Not, you don't have to have a prime membership or anything like that free. There's a lot of stuff that comes with your prime membership, such as, you know, videos and, you know, Amazon Prime and video and all these other things that they add on, you know, discounts at Whole Foods or whatever it may be. And Walmart's like, well, we don't have to give away that. So we can just sit there and not do it for a Prime membership and still give away free shipping. 
Right. And they're catching up. They really are. I, I've, I will admit that I've done a few of my shopping on, on Walmart. Really? Yeah. And what's the difference, you know, if you're buying, I don't know, headphones, looked around, <laughs> saw <laughs> headphones. If, if you're buying headphones for someone and it's this brand, this model number from Amazon or this brand, this model number from Walmart, and they're both equally the same. But you can pick up the Walmart one right now. You can lay it away. You can have it shipped to you. You can have it shipped and picked up later. You have all these other options that that I think that will give Walmart an advantage going against Amazon. Right. So, but you know, that's just me pontificating about you know how I see things. So it might be totally wrong. But you know, to your point, that Toys R Us and all the other ones just they didn't leverage their strengths, right? And you know, I, I think that Walmart has the ability to leverage their strength. And you know, at one of those conversations, I'm up in Seattle, so there's you know lots of, there's insurance people up there. There's a lot of insurance. Uh, you know, Birdfor was based up there. Um, you know, we have an office there, Safeco. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, carriers up there, mm-hmm. and. Whenever, you know, the, the inevitable question was like, well, is Amazon getting into insurance? And we've talked about this and there's been articles about that. And I'm like, listen, yeah, it's very possible that they might get into insurance. But the reality is, is that they're not having, they're not growing at the numbers that they used to be growing, mm-hmm. Amazon. So with them not growing, they're going to start taking focuses on bottom lines. And that's exactly what happened with Google and Google Compare, is that whenever they were messing around with Google Compare, they were impacting their core business, which was advertising. And so instead of worrying about you know dealing with insurance companies and agencies and lead distribution and all this, this stuff that didn't matter – they go, we can focus on this. And I think Amazon is going to start focusing on that. And you know how you can go to Amazon and get anything and everything in the world? Right. Like everything. They're going to stop selling a lot of stuff. I, I, I see, in fact, there was an article earlier this week that talked about that. That they're going to start, get, and they call the program um, CRAP. Mm-hmm. C-R-A-P. It's effectively... Um, a program that is getting rid of the crap, the stuff that is not profitable. And so they're running through this program and they're saying, okay, well, this will never make a profit. So they get rid of it. A good example was like uh, Coca-Cola is that them shipping, having things, you know, filled bottles filled with effectively water Mm -hmm. shipping to them. And then them having to ship out these really heavy things. They're like, this is costing us money. They were, they were break even on that. They weren't profitable. So now they've shifted that where Coca-Cola will ship directly the stuff Mm -hmm. and um, they're going more and more to that. So I think that they're going to really be focusing on the profit and the bottom line and getting into insurance is not really the key. And I know that they've talked to, they've talked to, Carriers, they've talked to insure, uh, insurance vendors, they've, they've talked to a lot of people in the industry. It's just, it's not really their bread and butter. And it'd be like Ford getting into, you know, making, um, you know, lawn chairs. It's just not their bread and butter. Right. Oh. But uh, that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about today. Yes. All right. So there was a study, the. J.D. Power 2018 United States Insurance Shopping Study, trademark, um, which really looked at 
how people were really interacting with um, digital investment and advertisement. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up is I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Really, if you thought about your insurance experience, you've talked about that you've had a good insurance experience with your agent. Yay, insurance, independent agent doing a good job, right? (laughs) Is that the common consensus that you see talking to everybody else? I mean, I'm talking about your family and friends that all have insurance. I mean, does anybody just go, wow, that I've had a standout experience or, you know, it's nothing they brag about. Do they brag about good, you know, good service at a restaurant or brag about good service at their insurance agency? What have you seen? You know, it's funny you ask this because just last week I was having dinner with my parents and my sister and her family and we talked about our insurance. We were talking about something, and it, my my sister, who is a big proponent of Dave Ramsey, mm-hmm. um, was saying, "You know, you need to shop your insurance every year." And I said, "I I know." My 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 agent reaches out to me every year at renewal and says, "This is what what you're paying. This is what you know is going up if it's going up." And I you know I looked at a couple other companies, and this is what that looks like. And she's like, "Oh, really? Uh, yeah." I, I do work in insurance. Like yeah. <laughs> I know I need to to look at that every year. Um but I don't know that her agent is, is is that way. So we didn't really go down fully into that. I have a great experience with my agent, but I did bring up how good my agent is about reaching out at renewal time um to let me know what what's changing with my policy and it, and asking, you know, do you want to keep it where it is or do you want to move it? Um so Yes, but not really. That was just kind of a random conversation. It's not like we seek it out and go, how is your insurance agent? Well, the, I, I think that that's the, my point exactly is that no one does really sit there and brag about that. You, I know people who brag about their car dealership mm. and the, the service or whatever like that. I know people that brag about businesses that they frequent they i know people that brag about um you know how good the service was at certain place i mean i I can pretty much just revolve everything i mean even good realtors mortgage bankers i mean good banks i mean we have conversations all the time about that but insurance is this red-headed stepchild that's over in the corner that says well only come out to play whenever i need you boy you know it's it that's kind of what what it is in you never hear these complimentary conversations about insurance. Right. And I, I think that one of the things that this, this study was actually going at is trying to, you know, understand as, um, you know, how consumers are integrating with brands based upon, you know, the, the changes in the market. And one of the things that the, uh, the study talked about is, um, a lot of insurer, auto insurers specifically were doubling down on their ads and their digital investment spend because shopping has stagnated. Mm. And, you know, that's something that I've always, I've always said is that there's a finite number of cars. There's a finite number of drivers. There's a finite number of homes. There's a finite number of people in the United States. There is a limited market capacity. Um, the insurance market is not going to double in size. In the next ever. Right. You know, well, certainly not as autonomous cars. Yeah. And come out more. When, 
when you're talking about this, um, you know, doubling, it would, it would require doubling the, the size of the U.S., doubling the number of people here. The double, you know, all this stuff would have to double. And so there's a finite level. And so one of the, the key findings that they had on this study, and I want to get your input on this, is the first one here is brand reputation is a top driver. Oh, yeah. So um, do you think that – how do you think independent agents can overcome the fact that the carrier is the brand whenever they build this relationship? Mm. What are your thoughts? Well – I that I think that's interesting because you know we talked in a, a previous episode about how this industry is kind of unique. It's you know you you like to use the the metaphor three legged stool, um, but you know that the carriers have to trust that the agents because that's their sales force, right? They're the ones that are out there selling those policies. They're the face of their brands, but the agents are also not those brands themselves. They have their own brand on top of all of the carriers that they represent. Um, so, you know that 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 is a challenge in this industry because you are you are representing your carrier brands, but you're also representing your own brand. So you have to make sure you're aligning with carriers that. Um, feel like are a good match for your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to be very clear with your consumers whether, you know, are you going to be involved with every part of the claims process or are you going to hand that off to the carrier to handle? So many agents just hand it off and right. just forget about it. Right. Yeah. But to that to that consumer, you are part of that carrier brand. Correct. And I, and I think that that's, you know, getting back to my question about you know, how people interact with insurance and their, their agents and carriers and why, you know, no one's out there bragging going, oh, I had a great experience with my insurance agent. I had a great experience with carriers. That's it, It's because there's, there's – the line is muddled between mm-hmm. the two. And I think that a lot of the brands, especially the direct brands, are focusing a lot of their efforts on that and – you know, making sure they're bringing, a, they're they're building their own brand. They do that in the next point of this this study is by delivering a consistent omni-channel experience. And you know wh- where that really goes is they use multiple channels when purchasing a policy. So um, you know you need to have digital capabilities, you need to have call center capabilities, you need to have local agent capabilities, and insurance agents, um, you know. They have the ability to do all of those, right? You know, from email to web to call center to walk in, and anybody that says you don't have call center, if you have one person answering a phone, you have call center. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> centered around you, one you person, centered around that call. But one of the things is is that you know people need to understand is that this is not to replace any part of their business. Or their functions. It's not making a call. And this is where a lot of, in my opinion, carriers have failed, where they're getting rid of their agent channel and they're just going to call center. You know, this whole omni-channel experience requires that it be across every channel and it shouldn't, one of these channels should never replace another channel. Right. It's never in place of, in lieu of, it's in addition to, right? Correct. That's, I was listening to an agent uh, talk about the mixed feelings he has about offering online quotes on his website. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he has a point in that when 
when you're buying, when you're looking for a quote online, you are extremely price conscious and you're not looking at the real value of what that product is going to bring you in the future. But at the same time, consumers are shopping online. Are you, are you really going to say, I don't want any part of that whatsoever. I have no interest in capturing any of those consumers. I'm only going to be focused on those who want to call me. Yeah, or come almost, in my office. It's almost like I don't even want to have this conversation anymore because of because of that. You know, that's that's the real thing I, I look at is like re- if you're the, if you're that stuck in the mud, if your your head is so much in the stand, sand and the mud that you cannot see that it, it's it's crazy and it's an old mindset that just continues to perpetuate through the to the market that it's almost to the point I try not to be this way because it's very negative is you know uh you don't want to be online and using your tactic exactly is you're like well do you buy anything online have you bought anything online well yeah amazon do this do that i buy that i've you know bought tickets to the show blah, 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 blah. and you go and you won't buy insurance online or at least generate a lead online no then i don't even you know i this this conversation will 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 not have this conversation in three years because you won't be around right and you know, building that uh, online, you know, customer awareness of how technology can enable that is really the next point. It says uh, of the survey, it's InsureTech consu- customer awareness is still low, and while InsureTech companies have raised more than seven point one billion with a B globally since 2012, the level of awareness of alternative insurance models is still relatively low among insurance shoppers. And, you know, really it says less than 6% of the uh, prospective customers indicated that they were aware of at least one other, one of the following companies, Lemonade, mm-hmm. talked about it, Metro Mile, talked about it, Trove, talked about it, Sure, never heard of Sure. bad marketing on their part. Mm-hmm. Do you know about them? I think I've heard of them, but I'm not familiar with their model. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but, uh, you know, less than half of the shoppers who were aware of those given providers would consider doing business. So that's 3% of the market. And so that's a very interesting take. But I think that really that top, that first one, the brand reputation is a top driver because they're like, who the heck is Metro Mile? Who the heck is Lemonade? I trust State Farm. I trust, you know, whomever. Right. And so they're they're building that 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 brand. So... And uh, the next one is directs or winning purchase experience battle. And this is an absolute. And this is where I, I call to you know the insurance industry is that really for agents, we need to up our game for that direct buying experience. Because you know the, the reality is is that whenever you offer one company's rates, you disable yourself to have the pivot, and the pivot is where you're like, oh, well, this carrier is not a good fit for me. This carrier is. Um, but I only have well, one carrier, so I can't pivot to another one. And so you know, they talk about that experience that if you build a fully curated experience only for that one line of business, you can create a great flow. Right. And really, as an industry, we need to find a way to create a flow that is very simple and basic and cost effective for agents and carriers alike to be able to service the consumers out there. Well, I think that starts with building more integration across different platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Which is one of your favorite topics is open open environments. 
Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of opportunity in the industry that to actually make that happen um, through like buy now initiatives and stuff like that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I, I got a little little game for you here. Okay. All right. So included in this is the in the 2018 U.S. Insurance Shopping Study. Mm-hmm. Insurance Shopping Study. Sorry, I broke for a second. Um, they had a customer satisfaction index rating, which is what we're really talking about here. Right. Is how satisfied you are with your insurance buying experience. Or, you know, long term, you know, who are the people that are most likely to be talked about around the campfire, okay. around Christmas dinner mm-hmm. is uh, these people. So do you want to uh, want to guess the uh, top? Let's go with the top 10. And this is this is just the buying experience, right? This is not going into claims or, or anything else. Total customer satisfaction index ranking for shopping for insurance. Okay. Geico. Geico would be a solid eight. State Farm. State Farm is not even in the top ten. Really? Correct. Interesting. I had a good shopping experience with them before I went independent. Um Progressive. Uh, progressive is not in the top ten either. Hmm. I am not doing well. It's 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 harder, and you know. But I, I've got something. You know, I, I I have a like a lot of them are the the one offs. Really? Yeah, a little bit one offs. They're not the major brands, and you need to think about it. Remember, this is about customer satisfaction. And so, are these independent carriers? Uh. These no, these are direct carriers, direct carriers, and, and, and some independent carriers in here. But think about it. Think about farmers. Uh, farmers is uh, not in the top ten either. Huh? Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird list here. Nationwide. Nationwide is on number my side. Nine. Okay, they were on my side. I'll give you two more chances. I'm thinking. Lemonade's not on there, is it? Oh, no. 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 Uh, Allstate. Allstate is, again, actually pretty low on the survey. Ten? Way past it. Oh. They didn't make the top ten. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, sixteen, eighteen, twenty. 21, 22. They're 22. Okay. The All so, right. So I guess I don't know how many. I only got eight, nine, and 10. Yeah. The first seven. I, yeah. And, and that's the, the thing is that number one, um, with the highest ranking for the jdpower.com power circle ranking for consumers <laughs> is Erie Insurance. Erie. Okay. Yeah. And if you think about it, understanding how Erie agents operate is that they operate as an independent, a captive independent. Yeah. And so, you know, they and Erie does a really good job of building a, a, a experience, not only for their agents, but also for their uh, consumers around being a part of the uh, Erie family. Hmm. Auto owners insurance is number two. Interesting. So there's a um, IA channel one right there, but, you know, they're very selective. They make sure that they provide a good experience and through and through. Yeah. And uh, American family, number three. Okay. 
Amica, Amica's always been, you know, prides themselves on building that. In fact, um, I have Amica is my highest refer referred. Like whenever someone is referring an insurance carrier to me because I ask the question, it's always Amica. I forgot USAA are they on the list? They are at the. Uh, they actually were higher than all of them, but USAA is an insurance provider only open to U.S. military, so they were the highest. But they were completely knocked off the list due to the fact they but were the highest only- that they have a limited market. Gotcha. And yes, that is again that's even higher than Amica, but it's like I don't qualify. Right. Okay. All right. Um, the next one will be a surprise for our, our insurance agency listeners, the Hartford. Really? Yeah. And really, I think where this stems from is their partnership with AAA. Okay. I think that that has created because they do guarantees and all that type of stuff. And I think that has created some of that. And, you know, I you know I don't know what that's saying, that the whole bunch of old people take the J.D. Power survey. <laughs> I haven't taken a survey forever. Like someone calls me for a survey. No. Uh, CSAA, which is also is uh, AAA. So okay. you've got that. And then uh, so that is, there is the top six. Then it goes into Liberty Mutual, Geico, Nationwide, and Automobile Club Corp, which I think is also AAA. Mm. Just two different that they didn't know that. And Safeco, I believe, is number 11. And really after that, the end, and that that's the kind of the Mendoza line right there is that – Everything else is the industry average. Mm. So everything or below. And then it proceeds to be Farmers, Progressive, Insurance, State Farm, Travelers, MetLife, Allstate, and Mercury. But, uh, you know, really, uh, re- really, you know, the, uh, the person who put this survey on, uh, Tom Super, great name, by the way, <clears throat> was director of property casualty insurance practice at J.D. Power stated that uh, we're entering an era of consumer-centric insurance that will likely be marked by a surge in new digital offerings and serious efforts by insurers to improve the auto insurance shopping experience. Cannot say that better. Um, I think that that's exactly what's happening in the industry. Right. Well, I think the bar the is bar is so low. <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday happy hour. Uh, the bar is so low for good service that you don't have to do much to provide what will be seen as phenomenal service, right? You don't, it's not a whole new wheel you have to build. You just have to be a little bit better than the average. Am I wrong? Print, wrap. Episode over on that. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not say that better. That's absolutely on point. Is that the bar is low, and there is so much opportunity in this industry that I think is just absolutely missing. And there's a lot of smart minds in this industry mm-hmm. um, from every aspect of um, you know how to market, how to sell, how to underwrite, how to price product, whatever it is out there. There's a lot of really bright, smart minds out there, and we need to come together. It needs to be less infighting. We need to get over this political mess. We need to stop working as closed-walled vendors, and we need to work together to build it. Because one thing that I'm absolutely seeing, this is, I don't know if you've seen this too, but I continue to see um, trade shows decline. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you, you see it directly with the number of trade shows that we're going to as a company. Yep. And, you know, whenever we're asking, you know, we it's a numbers game for us. I mean, this is any any insurance uh, trade show company people that put this on. It is an absolute numbers game for us. Yep. We look at how many leads we got. What is the close ratio? What is that? I mean, this those are business agreements to go do these. It's the same thing for agents. You've got to provide a value to get an agent in the door. And, you know, I, I see it declining because people are starting to lose sight on that we need to be an industry together versus this willy nilly everybody out for themselves. But, uh, yeah, that's right. So, normally, we ask the question, like, what are you doing this weekend? But with it being Christmas, <laughs> I think I pretty much know. It'll be, it'll be heavy on the Christmas. Yeah, we're going to go, I think, look at drive around, look at Christmas lights, one of my favorite Christmas activities yeah. tonight. And then it'll just be a lot of baking, wrapping, and probably holiday movies. Do you, uh, first of all, your, your little neighborhood, I won't give away where you live, of course, but um, there's the uh, bird streets. Whenever you were looking to yeah. uh, move, I told you to go into the bird streets. Yep. Those bird streets have fantastic, yep. um, have fantastic uh, lighting shows. They do. And then uh, there, there's, but do you ever go to like any of the big ones that are like, that are drive through experiences like uh, interlocking? I have not done one since college because there was one down near College Station that we would go to uh, right before finals. But I don't think I've done one of those experiences since then. It's gaudy as hell. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just you know, if, if someone someone just puts up a, a nice, uh, you, you know, a nice display. Um, I'm doing something special this year. I'm not going to give it away because it's something that uh, is is very unique. Um, but uh, I'll definitely post photos after I get it done. Mm. But um, I'm you know a little bit less of the you know make your house look like a you know. I, I I thought of what to say and I thought about it. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Yep. What's your favorite holiday movie? Do you have one? Um, holiday movie? Would I, okay. Wait, holiday Christmas holiday movie? Yes. I have to be Christmas Vacation. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, I. Um, but you know, um, let's see. You know, uh, do okay. Um, Die Hard is it a Christmas movie? Th- that's a perennial question. Everybody asks. That. I know, I know. I mean, it's not one of mine that I watch all the time, but I know there are people out there who think it is. So I, I, I'm not going to argue with them. So what is yours? <laughs> My favorite holiday movie: Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, I don't know if that would qualify as a movie. Isn't the special is only thirty minutes, but. Why? Is it just invoke and bring back memories? Yeah. And it's just not Christmas for me until I watch it. Oh, so it sets the stage. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. But full-length feature, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Okay. That, that was a good one. Yeah. Did Did you see the news this year that he was – that the original script had him accidentally killing Santa? I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it kind of did. He fell uh, off the roof. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you like eggnog? No. Um, okay. We drink wassail. What the? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? 
it's a mix of different juices with cinnamon and nutmeg in it. Maybe Isn't cloves? that called sangria? Oh, but you have to have mixes of wine. Sorry. Right. This is we drink it non-alcoholic. You could add vodka to it if you wanted, but uh, it's cranberry juice, apple cider, frozen orange juice, and I think frozen lemonade plus some spices. Mm-hmm. And you just let it simmer. It makes the house smell amazing. You let it simmer and then you uh, drink it hot. Uh huh. Oh, okay. You lost me at the hot drink, but <laughs> it's good. No, so it's uh, going to be a you know it, it's an honor because. It's Christmas Eve is on Monday. Monday, so it's really technically a four-day weekend, right? I'm taking five. I'm taking one day off. Oh, okay. Well, extending the the duration. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, you know, really, it's just running around doing, you know, seeing family. Finishing your holiday shopping. Finishing family. holiday shopping and, you know, eating and eating too much. Mm, I've already started that. What eating too, too much? much? Yeah, okay. I'm actually on a diet. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Well, so that's all I got. Yeah. So, what do you think, dear listeners, about your insurance shopping experience? Is it something you rave about or not? Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Becky L. Schroeder. Larry's L. Ricksford. Or you can use the hashtag Insurance Happy Hour. Um, we got to give a shout out to uh, Dylan Brooks. I almost forgot. Yes, yeah. Dylan. He uh, he correctly guessed and actually tweeted, which is awesome. Um, what uh, movie I was referencing in last week's episode, and that was definitely Spaceballs. Mm. Um, so it, I love that line. When will then be now? Now, just now. When did I miss it? Just now. Well, when will then be now? Soon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, nailed that. It's a great movie. Um, that was one of the movies I would watch around Christmas time. So as well, just because sitting around, and I always love that movie. But uh, if uh, you haven't subscribed and you just happen upon clicking this episode and is listening on on insurancehappyhour dot com, where you can leave plenty of comments or spam us with um, Viagra ads, as I've been getting lately for some <laughs> reason, at uh, on our contact page. Um, you can also subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, everywhere else, wherever. Just search for Insurance Happy Hour. Yep. But, uh, well, it's been fun, and uh, as always, thanks for listening.
one knows it. No, I swear to God, this is, we could bury a fucking dead body in this section and no one would know it. <laughs> the joke won't be where do you bury the dead bodies on the second page of Google. It'll be on the bump at the streets of the hour. <laughs> 